welcome back to the Sewers Podcast. Today we're going to be starting on a new set of stories. We're continuing in the linear fashion following how the author Kavi Santok Singh has written the Guru Pratap Sewers Prakash Granth. Um, but these set of stories that are going to come now deal with Guru Hargobind's third battle. So Guru Hargobind previously, we have not covered these stories. How we are going to run the Sudesh podcast is from this point, we are going to continue on linearly until uh, Guru Hargobin passes away. And then when that happens, then we'll cycle back to the start of Guru Hargobin's life and then cover from those stories up to where I started initially. So like I said before, there has already been two major battles that Guru Hargobin has fought. And the, I'll provide just a quick overview here before we start the preparation for the third battle. So the first battle was, they called the Battle of Amritsar. So there's a famous story about Guru Hargobind. At that point, he was stationed in Amritsar at the Akal Takat, and he went out uh, maybe 10, 15 kilometers outside of Amritsar uh, to hunt. So his hunting camp was west of Amritsar, and Shah Jahan's hunting camp set off the same day and they went east from Lahore. So they were, when they were both hunting, they were probably only four kilometers, maybe three to four kilometers away from each other at that point. They were very close to each other. But they didn't know that each other was in that area. So somebody had come from a foreign land it talks about and was giving Shah Jahan, the emperor, this really fancy falcon, hawk. And Shah Jahan wanted to see this in action, and he said, all right, let's see this hawk hunt. And he commanded the guy who was bringing the hawk, he said, all right, let it fly. So they let the hawk loose, um, but the hawk had just previously eaten. So he was satisfied he didn't want to hunt anymore. So he just kind of flew out. He was chasing some bird. He really didn't have his heart set on it. So he kind of just flew away, this hawk did. And it ended up flying east towards where Guru Hargobind's camp was. So the Sikhs saw this hawk flying in the air and they, uh, in the manner of which they catch hawks, they brought it down and they presented it to Guru Hargobind saying that, look at this amazing hawk that we found. Um, we're presenting it to you now as a gift. So Guru Hargobind is looking at this hawk and saying, wow, this is an amazing falcon here. Um, you know, uh, this is probably from some foreign land. Um, now that we have it here, let's never give this away. And emissaries from the emperor were sent uh, to find this hawk. At that point, Shah Jahan had returned to Lahore. But these emissaries came and they saw the camp of, of the Guru and they approached uh, the Sikhs and Guru Hargobind saying that, oh wait, there's that hawk that we've been looking for. You have to give that to us. And Guru Hargobind and the Sikhs said, hey, we saw this hawk flying in the air. Uh, we brought it down. And this is our hawk. What are you talking about? This is not your hawk. And there was an argument there, actually, in a, in a funny point out of that. Um, and this is, you know, written in the text here. The emissaries say to Guru Hargobind, "Oh, you're just, you're basically just talking crap because you just drink bung all day. You drink cannabis all day." It's a funny line they throw in. And you do see references to Guru Hargobind drinking cannabis in, in the Gurpurtha Surya Prakash, the text that we are looking at. Uh, 
I thought that was just a funny point that they throw out there. And Guru Hargobind and the Sikhs say that, you know, don't talk like this, basically, and we'll basically kill you where you stand if you if you chat shit like this. And at that point, the the emissaries get scared and they run away. And when Guru Hargobind then gets back to Amritsar, he realizes they find out from um, messengers that Shah Jahan has sent a force. So at that point, Guru Hargobind with his his warriors there, uh, Bandit Khan was a famous warrior, Bidichan, they make a decision that it's not right for them to fight within the confines, within the complex of Darbar Sahib Amritsar. So they, they leave and they fight about two kilometers outside of that range and um, a battle is fought there it ends up with uh, it ends off with Guru Hargobind uh, in a duel with the general of the of the force um, his name is uh, Mukhlis Khan and they get into this duel actually it's very vivid the way Sant Singh describes um, how Guru Hargobind ends up killing uh, Mukhlis Khan what happens is they both have a, sh a sword and a shield Guru Hargobind has like a very wide uh, tega. Tega is a curved blade. It's about four fingers in width or more. And the the uh, Mughal general, he does a strike coming from upwards uh, down, which would probably strike across the chest of the Guru. And uh, Guru Hargobind blocks it with a shield, his which is in his left hand. So he holds his right hand up the general's right hand with the sword in it and then he draws Guru, take, uh, Guru Hargobind takes his sword and cuts laterally like across horizontally sorry I mean and basically cuts him from the armpit from one armpit to the other armpit so basically his shoulders his neck and his head fall on one side and his the body underneath falls on another and the way uh, Singh describes it is as if um, like a bar of soap is just broken in two pieces. Uh, that's how clean uh, the cut was. So that's how that battle ended. And the second battle, the battle of Rohila, that battle started when Guru Hargobind left Amritsar. And they ended up in this village called Rohila. Um, the six ended up in an argument with the village leader and uh, ended up uh, <laughs> they ended up killing him throwing him down a river and the result of that is his son Ratan Chand was his name he then went to um, a general of the uh, of the Mughal army he also went to um, the son of Chandu so Chandu is a very famed enemy <laughs> of Guru Arjan Dev Ji and actually was the the main reason why, according to the Guru Pratap Surish Prakash text, that um, Guru Arjan Dev Ji was eventually uh, uh, executed by Shah Jahan. So Chandu was the um, one who was telling the emperor that, you know, this should be done. So Chandu ends up getting uh, killed at some point through um, Guru Hargobind and the Sikhs. So his son is obviously very upset as well. His name is Karam Chand. So Ratan Chand and Karam Chand, both of their fathers have been killed by Sikhs. They go now to this Mughal uh, general and they convince him to send a send an army, um, saying that you know Guru Hargobind has come to this village, he's causing unrest, 
we need to punish him. What happens there is um, there's a big battle. The number of soldiers on the Mughal side is way more than the six. And it ends, I'll just give you a, a brief uh, summary of how it ends. In the evening time, when most of the battle has has been uh, finished and, and most of the army is now slowly retreating back to their camps, the six actually kind of lose Guru Hargobind. They don't know where he goes exactly. And he, he goes off to the side and then he's actually uh, attacked by um, the general of the army, Abdul Khan, Ratan Chand, and Karam Chand. So it's basically a three-on-one skirmish that happens here. And the first the first person that comes to Guru Hargobind does a strike and then Guru Hargobind takes his shield, knocks him out with the shield. So he's laying on the ground and this is uh, Chandu's son, Karam, uh, Karam Chand. So he's knocked out, he's on the ground. Ratan Chand then comes up with a sword as well and they talk about how Guru Hargobind from his waist, he has his pistol attached and he just quickly shoots his pistol. So that suggests, and actually it mentions in the text, that that specific pistol, a Sikh has brought from a foreign land. So it was a very fancy pistol at that time. In India, um, the type of pistols that you would have at that point were generally uh, matchlocks, meaning that there would be this match and you would have to, it's a kind of a longer process to, to load the gun and shoot the gun off. But you also had at that point, it wasn't very well, um, it wasn't very widely available in India at that point, but flintlock pistols, very uh, uh, much more advanced in technology. And all of this information about pistols, um, I thank uh, Ranjit Singh from, from England, um, the collector who is, uh, was able to provide me with this information. So the text suggests that this was actually a flintlock pistol which have been which would have been really rare at that point in india but the te text does suggest that this had been brought from a foreign land and it was a very expensive pistol so he quickly shoots off this pistol and it hits uh ratan chand in the, in the chest and he falls face forward and there's blood uh you know just pouring out of his chest and then he just dies there quickly Abdul Khan then comes, and Abdul Khan was a very um, skilled warrior. So that duel takes a little bit of time here. Both are just positioning themselves, they're seeing where to fight. Guru Hargobind then has a sword, he puts his shield away because the other person doesn't have a shield. And Guru Hargobind avoids a few strikes, then he does a... Um, he signals that he's going to strike low with his sword. So Abdul Khan then kind of bends forward and when he bends forward he kind of puts his neck a little bit forward and at that point instead of striking low Guru Hargobind then just chops his neck off from up top so he falls down. At that point uh, Karam Chand, Chandu's uh, son, he awakes from his concussion that he just got from the shield and he's thinking alright this is the time now to get my revenge because uh, Guru Hargobind killed my father Chandu. So he now comes, and now he does a strike. His strike with his sword, remember now Guru Hargobind doesn't have a shield at this point. Guru Hargobind quickly turns and parries the first strike with his sword. So he uses the back edge of the blade and then kind of parries it, the blade across. 
he does another strike, Karamchan does another strike, and it breaks Guru Hargobind's sword. Both swords actually break. So they're both standing there without any swords. And Guru Hargobind then thinks, he says, okay, I have uh, Katar, this punch dagger, in my waistband, my Kamarkasa. I could easily just take it out and just finish him right here. And then he says, oh, but he doesn't have a weapon. So you know what? It would be better if I just killed him with my hands. And he just grabs Karamchan and it just talks about how he just twists and bends and breaks like basically every joint of this guy's body. It was as if, they say, Santok Singh says, it was as if an elephant had just grabbed a small like rabbit with its, uh, with its trunk and just squeezing it. And eventually then Guru Hargobind, after just breaking all these joints of Karamchan, picks him up and throws him down head first on the ground and his head just splits open. Guru Hargobind, after this, sits down in this tired state and, it, and it's basically uh, evening time, so it's just getting dark. And he just sits down in, this dark, in, in the dark and kind of meditates on this and says, and he's just thinking about all that had happened, the, the massive battle, the six that who had passed, the people that he had killed, that he had killed there. Bidhichanda and the other six had quite worried for the Guru. It's dark now and they can't find him. So they're, they're wondering what happened to the Guru. So they're looking all around. They have like uh, this torch that they have and uh, they're trying to see maybe if he's over here, if he's in, you know, a pile of bodies or what. They find him just sitting amongst these three dead bodies there. And uh, in a very famous line, Guru Hargobind then looks at Bidhichan and says, you know, all these years of practice that we've done in terms of building an army, practicing Shastra Vidya, like the, the science of weapons and martial arts and all this, today it has proved uh, its use. Today it has become uh, useful to us. And Guru Hargobind then returns to the camp with Bidhichand and the Six and the battle basically at that point when the other army realizes that all their commanders are died they uh, they uh, stop fighting and the victory is won there so those are the two original stories the first two battles of Guru Hargobind now we are starting with the third battle and chapter 38 where we're starting off here begins with Bidhichand who in the previous chapter was telling the congregation of his uh, exploits there in the Lahore fort and stealing these horses. So chapter 38 starts off and everybody's talking about Bidhichan and saying, man, what a great job this guy has done in stealing these horses and nobody's as smart as Bidhichan. Then Bidhichan says, he reminds the Guru that he had, uh, he had sinned, if it were, by riding on the Guru's horse. And he felt that that uh, demanded a, an apology and uh, some type of punishment so he donates five rupees to make uh, prashad for the, the congregation and then Guru Hargobind says what we'll do is we'll set up a, a massive langar, a massive communal a kitchen here and feed all the residents uh, that reside in this area so they go ahead and do this they set it all up and, and thousands of people come to eat after everybody eats, Bidhichan then says to the Guru, it's not going to be very long now before the forces of Shah Jahan uh, come to battle us because of you know what had happened in Lahore with the stealing of horses. 
So Billy Chan says it's best that we sit down and start thinking about battle plans here. Guru Hargobind asked Rai Jod, who um, resides in that area. If you remember from the previous chapter, Guru Hargobind has come to Rai Jod's village at his request. So Guru Hargobind asked Rai Jod, okay, you're, you're from this area, what should we do here? What are the good positions to take up? Uh, what is the strategy best that we can use, utilize in this uh, situation? So Rai Jod first says, what we can do is, there's a lot of jungle in this area, there's a lot of um, forests. We can just go into these forests, find a pond that uh, we could uh, sustain ourselves on with water, and just ride this out. We can lay low for a while, they'll send the forces, they won't find us, and then we will um, come out uh, when they leave. Guru Hargobind listens to this and says, that's a terrible plan. You know, I don't like that plan. You know, the weapons, the horses, the army that we keep, they only become worthwhile, useful, or fruitful if we actually use them. Basically, he's saying this is not just for show here. Um, it would be proper for us to face them head, head on. So given that, what's your plan uh, if we take that approach? So then Raijod says, you know what, that's, all right, that's wicked. What we can do is we can travel about four to five, uh, maybe actually uh, the measurement they use in the Texas school, but that's about two kilometers. So he says four to five school, so that would be about uh, eight to 10 kilometers from here, south. And there, there's a pond. We can set up camp there, such that our forces have control of the water supply of that area because water supplies in those areas, in the area that they are, it's, very, it's quite barren. So if they send their forces there, first of all, we'll tire them out and they won't have water supply, so they'll, they won't be able to sustain a longer pitched battle. And secondly, we can surprise them from the, 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 you know, the barren land, the forests that are there as well. And basically we then, as we can scare them out and make them run away, we can steal, steal their horses, their weaponry, and then arm ourselves up even more. So Guru Hargobind listens to this and says, that's amazing, all right, this is what we're gonna do. And then Raijod begins to uh, count up his soldiers. So he has about a thousand soldiers there uh, that are divided, half of them are um, like servants of him. He is the main uh, leader of that area. So he has a bit of an army with him as well. So he has a large family that are all warriors and he also has uh, paid mercenaries that will fight for him as well. So they are about a thousand. And when they create this plan, then they send out uh, a message to the local people who are making weapons and, and ammunition. So the end of the chapter talks about how um, the people who are making the ammunition, they start making thousands of rounds of ammunition, they start making uh, swords and shields, and then to the warriors that were not properly geared up in terms of weaponry, they, the community, Guru Hargobin and Raijo, started giving out the weapon, weapons and arming people up. It's quite a vivid description of the different types of spears and swords uh, from Saf, is, a, is like a straight sword, Sarohi, is a type of sword that's about three and a half foot long and a little bend. So you have all these 
different types of swords and, and uh, spears, shields, different type of guns, which get talked about at the end of this chapter. And they basically, this is a description of them all getting armed up. And in the next chapter, where we're going to pick up next time, they talk about the how they leave then from that uh, village of Gongur down to the point where they will establish battle formations and get ready uh, for the attack. Ah!